Okay, uh, let's talk about shapeshifters, dude. Yeah. Hey, all you Therianthropes and shapeshifters, welcome back to your favorite podcast, That Would Be Rad, a podcast that majors in 80s and 90s nostalgia, comic culture, all things paranormal, and minors in retro video games, tabletop RPGs, pre-internet mysteries, and raising our kids to be half as cool as we were back in the 80s. I'm your host, Tyler Bentz, and this is your other host, Woody Brown. Hey, dude. Hey, man. I don't even want to waste another second. Yeah, same. I got to explain to folks. So here's the Mm -hmm. thing. Whenever I sort of think of today's topic, which is shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. The, the thing that comes to my mind just like al- almost immediately, of course, and I don't know if it's because it's literally cooler outside. We're starting to get closer. Mm. Like once September hits, I mean, let's be honest, I'm not one of those pumpkin spice latte kind of dudes, but it's like oh, is the second that September hits, I've got like a handful of candy corn and it's – yeah. Halloween Same. season mm-hmm. until Thanksgiving Day. It's basically Halloween season. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't know if that's what kind of like um, triggers this, but I always when I think of shapeshifters, I think of werewolves mm-hmm. or just were beasts in general. You know, especially since we play D anD D, there's all kinds in there. That's oh, yeah. kind of like what comes to mind. I think that's probably true with a lot of folks listening. But dude, the other day I was just kind of like randomly. I don't even remember what, scrolling through, you know, weird news. And I came upon this article that triggered this whole thing. And I never really knew necessarily, or I forgot to kind of think of like this huge laundry list of shape-shifting creatures that exist in cultures all around the world. I mean, you know, we've briefly sort of talked about and began to mention and introduce uh you guys to skinwalkers, which is the Native American sort of shape-shifting mm-hmm. legends here. Um, but this article, man, about there's this article that I found about a possible sighting slash photo of oh, yeah. a shapeshifter in Ireland. And it just took yeah. me down this extremely long rabbit trail. And I thought, you know what? We gotta we gotta do an episode about this. Yeah, it's it's really fascinating and I mean really kind of synchronicity too with you know the trailer just coming out for Secret Invasion, which is mm. basically you know, I mean it's not really a spoiler, but you know, it's Nick Fury from the Avengers universe. Uh and he's basically kind of you know, he's found out that like the scroll, uh, which are these beings, these alien beings that can shape shift and look like, you know, any sort of human they want. Mm-hmm. They've sort of infiltrated the U.S. government and like other heroes and all that stuff. But it, I don't know. I, I just thought the synchronicity was pretty funny that you you brought <laughs> that up. Um, another thing, uh, there's a lot of these characters that we've uh, that we've discussed on the show, like some of the show topics, like uh, like the Aswang, mm. maybe even the Not Deer. Mm-hmm. These uh, the we've spoke about the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. These are all characters that. You know, there's a lot of this sort of like overlap mm-hmm. that they could fall into like shapeshifters, yeah. which is pretty cool. And also it's like, you know, like you said, I think, I mean, the way you sort of pitched it to me, at least you pitched it to me like, hey, I got kind of got this like little idea. Let's just do some shapeshifters. <laughs> but boy, when you start looking, Dude. it is 
everywhere. Yeah, it becomes a little overwhelming. So today, like initially, I wanted to do an episode about shapeshifters, you know, nice and general. And then mm-hmm. as I started to dive into each one of these, I'm like, dude, there's so much just tasty, delicious yeah, lore about all of these things that I thought maybe let's focus on this Irish tradition. And then I found another one that's kind of cl- like close in proximity, but very different in terms of the type of shapeshifter it is. But it just like mm-hmm. once I went down that rabbit trail about mm-hmm. this one, I was like, oh man, this is really interesting. I want to talk about it. So first, if you don't mind, let's focus on this one in Ireland. Can I tell you about kind of what went on? I mean, this photo is only a couple of weeks old. Oh, yeah, 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 from the photo, yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's this paranormal research group called the Paranormal Supernatural Investigation Group. Now, they didn't get super creative with the name, but at least, you know, in that name, you kind of know what they do, right? There's no Mm -hmm. question. All right. So they were investigating this ancient castle in Ireland. And again, potentially photograph something that some believe could be this legendary shape-shifting entity that is said to have dwelled on this property for like centuries, dude. Wow. Now, I, when we first started talking about this, I sent you this picture. Yeah. I just want like, what was your reaction when you saw it? Okay, so even though I am like definitely on the side of like being a true believer with this stuff, at least I try to be open-minded. Uh, at the same, on the other hand, I try to kind of, especially when it comes to stuff like uh, like the sort of the concept of like pareidolia, where it's like you, you know, it's like, oh, well, here's a photo of an orb. And if you look real close, it looks like there's like a, you can see the face of an angel mm. or the face of like this, you know, so-and-so's grandmother that passed away. I, I usually like dismiss most of that stuff just yeah. because, you know, like pareidolia, it's like it, it's our human nature to kind of find or sort of Patterns anthropomorphize and, yeah, yeah. like human characteristics in mm-hmm. things, you know? So it's like, I remember the Virgin Mary kid, and a piece of toast. Yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah. As, as a kid, you know, my, my dad built our first house, the house that I grew up in, and it was just and like wood. <laughs> and then he left. Wood everywhere. And I remember, you know, just laying in bed and like looking at the walls and stuff, you would always find like faces and especially mm-hmm. being an artist too, I think probably yeah, yeah. even more so. But so with this, I really tried to like sort of be like, wow, I think that's a little bit of pareidolia, but I don't know, man. It's mm-hmm. yeah, dude. it's pretty creepy and pretty pretty hard to dismiss i would say yeah it's it's again i'm kind of the same way i mean dude i can one of my favorite things to do with the kids and stuff too is just like sit on our front lawn look up Mm -hmm. and just like do the cloud spotting thing you know where we just like hey that one looks like you know a whale and hey do you see that one that one looks like you know whatever and so i i 100 i agree that a lot of us have that sort of innate reaction when we see something you know by nature we just kind of like it just reminds us of something in our mind kind of whatever this photo Mm -hmm. though man is no matter what creepy as heck especially yeah especially when you kind of pair that with the the legend and lore about this thing in general so what they think they saw is this entity called a puka 
it's spelled yeah. differently depending on kind of what region it's in, but yeah, in, there's a bunch of different yeah, variations. In Ireland, it's P U C A, and then in other places like P O O K A. Right. Well, and, then there's some like weird sort of mm-hmm. um, old English, and what, like Scandinavian type of stuff. And what is the what is the Irish like the the earliest language? Celtic. Of? Celtic. Uh, yeah. We'll go with that. I think I'm thinking of something else, but yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Give, hey, man, good point. I, again, I'm just going to take this opportunity. Hey, man, thank you for showing up today, man. Just thinking. Just I don't thinking even know where the show, outside. especially this episode, I don't know where it would be without that little piece of input, mm. which was more of a question, really. But anyways, Window I decided to, uh, to interrupt with that. So mm-hmm. these folks captured this photo. And the name of the castle is Lakeen Castle, which is this centuries-old structure. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I, I sort of find, found various info about this in general, but I'm pretty sure it's like, uh, I think it's like 12th century. But anyhow, it's now a national monument in Ireland. And what's funny is like the second I read this story, or, or at least read the headline, the first thing I thought of was like, oh man, I wonder if it's the place that we were near. Because there was this old abbey that was just in the middle of these woods, man, close to, or literally right across the street from where we stayed. Um, oh, Gaelic. Of, yeah, Gaelic, okay. That's what I was at, Where we stayed in Ireland, this bed and breakfast, right across mm-hmm. the street there. And just literally, dude, it's just like you're running these nature trails and all of a sudden, boop, there's an ancient abbey right there just in the middle of it all. Wow. And you're like, what in the world? Yeah. So I was hoping that that would be it because nothing weird happened to me while I was in Ireland, but like, Still, it was like, oh, man, you just feel like it's magical, man. So anyway, here's kind of the lore about the puka in general. Mm-hmm. It lives in the hills and valleys of Ireland, Scotland, and Wales. And it's apparently a notorious shapeshifter that can assume any image from a rabbit to a horse. If it wishes, it can also transform into a very like large, hideous monster or also mm-hmm. even a person. Man. It speaks common you know, English or whatever language. <laughs> D&D. Common. Jeez, I just Common. turned this into a uh, you did. D&D campaign. Although, dude, looking into these, real si- real quick side note, there is so much that we can use for D&D. Oh, yeah. I know. Well, and not only that, but like also the, the flip side of that is any of these things that you see from like folklore, you can, you can literally type that thing in Google and then just write 5E beside it. Oh, yeah, there's a creature. And it's all in, it's <laughs> all in D&D. Yeah. So the interesting thing about the puka is that it is well known for giving like good advice to those who plan to use the information. And I'm definitely putting this into a future campaign. They give good advice to those who plan to use the information for good and not evil. Hmm. It is said to at times to be rather mischievous and that there are great lovers of posing riddles that must be solved by, you know, confused humans so a little bit of the trickster mm-hmm. archetype but not yeah 100%. exactly for the most part they want to and generally i mean generally speaking they according to the lore wish to be helpful to humans if they're treated with respect apparently specific to this local castle here's kind of the legend that surrounds it and the puka that was potentially there that they may have captured on film the legend goes that some old hags were stealing from a dead body when an O'Kennedy came upon them. O'Kennedy was this uh, 
the people that were basically in charge of the uh, the castle. So, so is that what it's it's kind of leading to? Is it being like, well, just wait, dude. So the Okinity came upon them, okay, mm-hmm. and they were defended by this Puka, yeah, who cool. Okinity captured and took to Lakin Castle, where once mm-hmm. he did, the Okinity servants were like begging him to let it go or, for fear that they would be cursed. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, the entity was released by O'Kennedy after promising that it would never hurt any member of their family. The local tradition, basically, is that the puka can still be seen roaming around the castle to this day. And so that's what they think they may have captured on film. And when you're looking at the picture, folks, and of course we're going to, I mean, we get we have to post this on our Instagram, but we can you know put it whatever in the show notes and stuff. Mm-hmm. You're looking at sort of like almost like these bars, you know, right? Mm-hmm. And then like in the sort of lower right corner, you just see what looks to be like. I mean, it doesn't look like a trick of light. It doesn't look like you know. If anything, I would I feel like if it's a hoax, someone digitally you know, put a face in there because it just looks like somebody's going, hmm? You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just kind of lurking in the shadows. Yeah. There, there's something that's so cool to me about uh, just the idea that like, for one, it's like an ancient thing. Like mm-hmm. if this is indeed like, you know, somehow associated with like this this ancient, ancient legend of, you know, sort of this guardian kind of thing, it, it it immediately kind of reminded me of, and obviously we're going to cover this, but the Bell Witch story, where you know it, it as it goes along, it, it gets more into your sort of typical like haunting and sort of poltergeist type yeah. behavior. But the original sighting to me feels like this like elemental thing. Like they said they were hearing these like scratches outside the door or whatever. And I think the, the family, they ended up seeing, maybe the dad went out like hunting or something. He ended up seeing this thing that was like massive half rabbit, half dog type mm. creature. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's a couple things that you could go. Like if, if we're leaning into the shapeshifter thing, was it like mid shift? Yeah. Was yeah. it going from dog to rabbit? Or is this some sort of amalgamation that's like, this sort of ancient elemental, like earth elemental spirit type thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, there, there's something that's so interesting about like that old kind of feel for these these cases. Well, also too, man, there's always this like really cool sort of tie into some of the, and, and I think we talk about this dang book all the time too, but we're, uh, Where the Footprints End, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Timothy Renner and Joshua Cutchin, they kind yeah. of talk about the the connection between the Fae and mm. even like fairyland, yep, and Bigfoot and that kind of thing. So it's like almost is there this, you know, group of elemental creatures that existed long before we did, mm-hmm. or yeah. from another plane of existence that from time to time kind of kind of come in here. Here's the thing too about you know how the how the Irish puka kind of varies from like the one in Scotland and Wales and the Channel Islands and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's kind of what that stuff says. It says it's often thought as an animal spirit. Some accounts believe it got its name from Pak, meaning he-goat in Irish. In fact, mm. puka is a changeling and can take an animal or human form, like a horse, donkey, cat, dog, 
bull, young man, or even, now we're talking, a voluptuous lady. The animal, the animal puka is usually jet black with fiery golden or red eyes. Some associate mm-hmm. it with the devil. Now, if you've been listening to the past couple weeks' episodes, here we go again. We've got a jet black creature mm-hmm. with fiery red eyes mm-hmm. on the other end of the world. That kind of sounds like Mothman or the Chernobyl Blackbird. Yeah, the Blackbird. I mean, well, let me say real quick also that one of the things, and, and you know, we did mention this. Wow, we just recorded a, a full Patreon episode, so we may have, we may have mentioned it there. But there is like this, like massive, wide, wide, wide appeal of this this like theme or this trope in almost all cultures. I mean, you look, you know, it go. It's all Asian cultures have have them. All you know, African, mm-hmm. like you know, the 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 British Isles, the. I mean, it's and the thing is too is it's like much like Bigfoot, which it's something that we've said on the show. It's like much like Bigfoot. There's to me, there's there's got to be something more to this than like, oh, it's just silly, you know, oral history fairy tales and or cautionary tales to keep children out of the woods at night and you know not to get lost or whatever. But at the same time, like I don't know, I, I don't know that I believe that as much as maybe. I once did just because there are so many similarities. I mean, obviously there's there's differences like the mm-hmm. Aswang and like a lot of the, especially with like the the Asian and the Japanese. You know, like you look at like the Shinto religion. It's like there's there's so many things that are looked at as like oh well that's just like an umbrella, but it's going to have like a soul and like or multiple souls. Mm. It kind of gets confusing, but you know, and it, it's able to to shapeshift into this other thing, kind of like a mimic almost in, yeah, yeah. in D&D, you know. But, you know, it, it's just, it's amazing that, like, this is such a theme that's almost like, it's almost like ingrained in our DNA mm. since, like, the, the beginning of time. You know, mm. it's, uh, you you find petroglyphs and of uh, these, you know, you know, men or whatever that, you know, all of a sudden it's a regular man and now it's a goat man or yeah. now it's, has like horns. It's like you know the, the concept of like the minotaur or the mm-hmm. centaur, or well, these it, are all things that could fit in that shape shifting camp. You know, it, yeah. And it even goes into sometimes like into like gnomes and like I mean, oh yeah, big time. What's interesting, you know, when you start looking these things up, especially the Irish legend of the puka, they define it as a phantom fairy creature. So it's like mm-hmm. there's these ties amongst all of humanity. And yeah. a little bit of passport Magonia kind of goes into that. Oh, yeah, that. big time. And it's like, where do these originate from? It's so fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the puka in general, though, it is sort of that trickster archetype. I mean, depending on where you lived or where it was in, in Ireland or whatever, mm-hmm. it would either be known as helpful or menacing. And it was known to help farmers, for example, but it was also known to, like, wreak havoc. And, you know, the fact that it likes puzzles and, like, kind of, like, mm-hmm. fooling with people and, like, determining you know, whether or not they have good intentions when they ask it a question, you know, it's just, it's just, um, it's almost like the Rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. deal too. You know, it's like, you have to answer this riddle to, you know, or whatever. It's, it's like, there's always that, like, like you said, the trickster element tied to these things, which, you know, again, the trickster element is, is another thing that's like in our earliest, earliest, you know, DNA type thing. It's like, 
it's that concept's been around forever too, you know? Yeah. And guess what, folks? It's not just ancient sightings. Besides this photo that was literally taken just a couple weeks ago in August of 2022, mm-hmm. let me read this. On Wednesday, 1st of November, 2006, around 7.30 p.m., Dennis O'Rourke, Cyrus, a businessman and investor, originally from Cork City, but then living in Malahide County in, near Dublin, believes that he met a puka. A strange and well-dressed man was outside of, front, of the front gate of Dennis's home. This man struck up a conversation with Dennis, claiming he had known him for many years. He went on to tell Dennis about his family, true facts that like no one could have known, going back mm-hmm. three generations. And how, over the years, they had lost and gained money. This man, who did not give a name, also said that family finances were based on more than just heritage. Over the next couple of years, O'Rourke witnessed not merely fiscal fall of country, but his own financial ruin, including his business, his family, and home. So another thing that some people say is that uh, it is a good uh, prophecy of uh, like almost like a catastrophic like a harbinger of mm-hmm. of like news or whatever. Yeah, pretty interesting, huh? Yeah, for sure. One of the things too that that's interesting and is. Um, you know, again, common in, in a lot of these cultures is like the idea of putting out like offerings. You know, we've, we've mm-hmm. mentioned that before. Gifts. But it, yeah, leaving a little little like thimble of milk out for the brownies or, mm-hmm. you know, it goes across all across the globe. And I like the idea that you can sort of like sway these, these sort of mischievous mm-hmm. trickster type characters. You can sort of sway them to sort of help you out. And like, I know there's some things where you can, if you leave offerings, I don't think it's the brownies, but it's it's one of those, you know, sort of British or Irish type things where there are ones that like are particularly there to like help you find things that are lost or, mm. you know, weird kind of like stuff. I know there's, there was one like case that I heard about years ago where, and it was, it, this is like so fascinating to me, where this woman had lost her wedding room, wedding ring like 20 years before this, you know, older woman. And she started leaving these little offerings, these like little, little like saucer with like a cookie and like a little thing of milk. Because apparently, you know, that was sort of part of the, the tradition is like this thing would help you find lost things. A couple weeks after doing this, she ends up going out into her garden. And I guess she goes to pull out like a carrot mm-hmm. that she'd been growing and wrapped at the bottom of the carrot was a uh was her wedding ring oh man I, yeah i didn't know what you're gonna say there that's fascinating but Isn't i guess cool? you're about to say like and on the on the end of the carrot was a small creature <laughs> you know just like Hello. i mean that would that would have been cooler yeah for sure <laughs> no but that um, is cool man after these messages we'll be right Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. America's future can be determined by our dreams and our visions. It was very intense For over 200 years, there have been reports of giant man-like creatures. From another dimension, another world, I don't know. The most intriguing mystery on the North American continent. Hey, this is Bryce Johnson from the Bigfoot Collectors Club, and you're listening to Tyler and Woody on That Would Be Rad, because that is rad. One thing in this this research I discovered today, you know, I mean, I know we're kind of getting heavy on like fairies and stuff, which this isn't a fairy episode, but this this is there's just a so lot much of these, a lot of these yeah shapeshifters are attributed to being of mm-hmm. you know fairy origin. Yeah, uh, there's this which which is weird because you have a lot of Italian ancestry in you. Mm-hmm. I've never looked at like Italy or thought yeah, of Italy. True, yeah. Is having like fairies, but they have this thing called the the Mascangana of like Sardinian and early Italian folklore, where they're these like fairies. But it's interesting because they're they're totally different in a lot of ways compared to like the fairies of like the British Isles and Ireland and Welsh sort of mythology. And they're called like uh, like fates. Like not, I don't think it's like the fates, as in looking at like the fates from like. Roman or Greek mythology in that mm-hmm. sense, but they're they're I guess like fates as like they're able to like sort of uh, bestow things on you, so like good fate and bad fate sort of thing. Mm. But all of them are they're called like or like fata or fate, which is just the feminine form of the word like fate or destiny. But it's like there there's no male fairies or there's like no male variations. They're all feminine. The most Famous of like the Italian sort of folklore of fairies is the Fata Tercina, which is the fairy with indigo hair. They're they never have wings. They're never small or like diminutive, but they are able to like shape change into these like small little creatures that'll have sort of like a rat face or hmm. weird sort of attributes, almost kind of like the Bell Witch, how it's like half rabbit, half dog, where it's almost it looks like it's almost like mid change almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're very like regal and sort of known to be sort of awe-inspiring. They are preternaturally beautiful, often have golden hair and fair, pale, or even blue skin, which is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I, I thought that was really interesting, especially since like you know we talk about a, a bunch of we talk about a lot of folklore on mm-hmm. the show, and I've just never thought of. Yeah, it's, Italy. You're right, man. Like we you know, ne- we rarely get to 
Italia when we're talking about mm-hmm. any of this stuff, really. Mm-hmm. Oh, and also when looking at that, I found out that there's also these things called the uh, the Municello, which are these, you know, they're they're kind of known as these like wild sort of sprites that they shapeshift to look like cats or rodents or even monkeys, which is something that is not regional in Italy, mm-hmm. as far as I know. But what's interesting about this is in the 1600s, there was actually law like on the books that if you were sure that this like Municello or Municellos were like in your home, you know, because they were so mischievous and and a lot of like sort of poltergeist behavior and stuff. But you were allowed to like physically leave the property and you didn't have to pay the rent. But they were kind of known to like drink blood and like all these different things. But like, I don't know. I I just thought that was interesting to Mm -hmm. have, you know, peek behind the curtain of some of Italy's kind of folklore. Well, I think the part of the reason, I agree 100%. Part of the reason Mm -hmm. I think that I didn't go that down an Italian rabbit trail on some of these things is I remember one time I was reading somewhere and it was like, oh yeah, and in Italy, there are these kind of like troll type creatures. And I'm like, okay, here we go. Mm -hmm. That are short, hairy, and blah, blah. And I'm like, come on, hey. There's Woody. Come on, man. (laughs) First off, I'm not short. Um, okay, guys. Okay, but no, hold on, hold on. Real quick. Man. You wear those like risers on your shoes. <laughs> yeah, right, dude. Come on, dude. <laughs> what what I'm saying is, uh, or two very quick things about that I thought were kind of neat about like uh, Lachine Castle, kind of mm-hmm. like a little thing that sort of ties it all together. During the restoration of the castle in the 18th century, they found mm-hmm. this 8th century illuminated manuscript called the Stowe Missal. And it was mm. hidden in the walls there. Man, that's cool. Really cool, right? And and so, cool. so just in case you're new to the show and you didn't listen to season two, episode three, Books of Mystery. Season two, episode three, Books of Mystery, the Voynich Manuscript. Where we kind of define what an illuminated manuscript is. And it's a real quick mm-hmm. definition, basically. It's these handwritten books that were done ages and ages ago uh, that have like painted decorations, typically like, you know, around the borders and stuff that mm-hmm. generally include precious metals like gold and, and silver. This one was just a very small sort of like book that was just based on its size and stuff they say was probably so that like clerics and stuff could like carry it around. And so there was like, I think on the front half it had like, you know, a mass ceremony mm. and, you know, just various sort of Catholic rules and stuff. So anyway, I just thought it was kind of mm. cool. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, it reminds me of like, like the Codex Gigas mm-hmm. and those, like, I mean, we go pretty heavy into it. Yeah. On that uh, episode, on episode for sure. Yeah. It gets, it gets pretty deep. Yeah. I love that. So, so you're saying that that was found in this in, same castle? In the castle. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Hidden in the wall. Man, that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the idea. So, you know, obviously these places are, from what we know, which, man, I've been really getting into this, like, mud flood and, like, sort of, it's a whole other rabbit trail for mm-hmm. sure. But I've been getting into this thing where it's, like, this idea that there's, like, other civilizations, like, before, and we've just pretty much built on top of those civilizations. But, you know, as we know now, America is sort of looked at as, like, a new country, you know. So 
So like Ireland and and those countries mm-hmm. are looked at as much more sort of ancient and stuff. But I love the idea and you know, this was a, a lot of American gods, mm. oh, sort I of those concepts. This. Yeah. Uh, so good. But the idea that like, what if this Bell Witch, which is kind of known to be like one of the most haunting, you know, one of the most well-known hauntings anywhere. What if this thing was a puka that pretty much hitched a ride on the ship to the new world? And, you know, now it's here in, you know, I think it's Tennessee, I guess. Mm, man, I don't know. Something, something's like really cool about that to me, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of the things that we've talked about before, even like the Lugaru and things that have ended oh, yeah. up sort of, you know, you kind of almost imagine it sort of leaving mm-hmm. its old world and traveling to the yeah. new world, quote unquote, new world, America, mm-hmm. and sort of beginning to get its power. And then slowly over time, that power sort of feigning a little bit because those believers aren't really here. Those traditions aren't passed on. I mean, this goes for like Asian cultures to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Celtic cultures. I mean, yeah, it's it's that idea that like sort of like worship and like prayer to these things or or even like just acknowledgement. I mean, thought. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, that's the thing. It's like, there's an element of this that's like very like thought form or egregore mm-hmm. or- um, Tolpa. Tolpa, yeah, exactly. Uh, where it's like the more you believe this thing and the more you- which honestly, man, I I kind of believe in the sense of I'm not saying as far as like this kind of stuff. I mean, I, th- I think it's fascinating. I think I think I mean it's all possibly true, you know, mm. for all we know. But I, I I'm saying like in my sort of everyday modern life, I am totally believing, especially if you know from the episode where I went into my like orbs sort of thing, season two. Episode 39, the orb episode. I mean, to me, that was a clear indicator showing that, like, I was putting so much into this, so much thought into this, so much that I think that that something else sort of was able to manifest because of all that, like, intention and mm. and thought. And I mean, there's got to be know, something, like a, something to that. It's like, um, oh, yeah. and I think that, I don't know, I think that's something that American gods, uh, I haven't seen the show, but. I, where I, oh, it's great. I, I tried to, and I think I just got distracted or something with the book, man. Like, yeah, that's the something that phenomenal. the concept, that's part of the reason why I was drawn to it really is that idea that a lot of these older deities and mm-hmm. things that existed, I mean, I mean, definitely pre-Christianity mm-hmm. sort of oh, yeah. began to lose their quote unquote like power or whatever. Right. You know, like if you're thinking right. about it in terms of like, the the old like sort of quote unquote pagan like gods. the druids and, dude I'm just I, I gotta say this because I think about this every now and then whenever I was a kid and whenever maybe even up in like high school or something you would I would hear the word like pagan and immediately mm-hmm. think like evil and I don't oh, know if yeah, that's just yeah. like a concept that's like drilled into my head mm-hmm. you know at a young age but when when like growing up I thought like oh man pagan that's that's scary well I'm like. I think it was used incorrectly. Like it was almost used as far as like growing up in the Bible Belt, at least. I think it was it was more used in a sense of like like that was the word that was used if this person like wasn't a good or Christian person. So it was yeah. like, oh, well, that's that that thing is pagan. pagan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When in reality, it's just well, even even like you know the sort of. 
almost like militaristic and government conquest of certain areas in the in mm-hmm. Christianity in general and the Crusades and even before that, like the the you know the Spanish Inquisition and like all mm-hmm. the just all that stuff. Yeah, pagan was. You know, I think it's just, in other words, centuries and centuries of just watered down version of us thinking that it's just like that equals or translates to evil. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, you know, as I start well, to the, like, okay, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you know, the deep, the when you start learning about those things, it's like, oh, okay, so this guy worshiped, you know, the sun and the sea mm-hmm. and the grass, and, and that's quote unquote the pagan gods. Mm-hmm. That that sort of pantheon is that? I, yeah. I know I said it wrong on one of the on the shows, and I was like, <laughs> I think I said pantheon, but yeah, yeah that did. group of deities, mm-hmm. them kind of like having a reduction in power because everyone sort of everyone the majority of people's worship was now directed at a singular god. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just a very interesting well concept. But also, you were looked at as like a witch or a devil worshiper, right? It's like. It's like, uh, I know, dude, I think of that all the time. It's like, hey, man, are you going to join our religion? Uh, well, I don't really know, man. Well, okay, cool. Because your like, neighbor, Cindy, said no. But turns out, just coincidentally, she's also a witch. And so we just burned her. I'm just going to mm-hmm. revisit the question here. Do you guys want to be Christians? They're like, heck yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Where do exactly. I sign? You know? Well, and also the, the, the real irony in this, and I mean, this is like, we're, you know, we're, we're not like putting one thing down over the other, but the the irony in all that is so many of the traditions that we have today f- with Christianity, and we talked a lot about this, especially around Christmas. You know, a lot of the like the Christmas tree and the, uh, or I mean, even Halloween, like Samhain originally. You know, it's like the fall harvest. You're mm-hmm. they're sort of worshiping like the your all of your you know sort of hard work is. You know, you reap what you sow and like the bountiful harvest. And like, it was all very like based in nature. And in reality, it's like, well, yeah, of course it was. But I mean, it's like looking at the Native Americans, it's it's very similar in that way of like, like there's there's life and there's power in a living tree or mm-hmm. like animals. And, you know, I, it, it's funny because like there's so many things that when these, these areas were sort of taken over by like uh, sort of Christianity as a whole, they chose to like keep a lot of these like traditions, mm-hmm. but then sort of meld them into being like part of yeah, Christianity. Oh yeah, dude. It's like which it's, is kind of cool in it, a way. It's a, it's a brilliant maneuver uh, strategically right, right. because then it's like, well, yeah, dude, our religion has that too, man. Like, hey, mm-hmm. like this, and they're like, oh, and then like you think about it in terms of like there being a language barrier. And it's like, right. yeah, uh, okay. I, yeah. Who you see? And it's, <laughs> I just made up a hymn just then. Um, <laughs> you did. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go down that trail, but I mean, it's like even the timing of when we celebrate Easter and right. Christmas, like mm-hmm. you said. But then, yeah. like, you also, what you're talking back to bring it full circle when you're talking about leaving things uh, as, as like a gift or an offering for mm-hmm. uh, these entities and stuff. I mean, guys, we do it every year for Santa. And St. Nick, right. we leave yep. milk and cookies, right? And so all that stuff is blended into our zeitgeist as a, as a human culture. Oh, yeah. And it's just yeah. uh, it's just wild. Well, and, and also, I mean, Santa up until 
what the forties with Coca Cola. Mm-hmm. Santa was always looked at as sort of like almost like an elemental, like the old man of the forest, mm. you know, Merlin, like the wild man, like you know, that was like one with nature and like you know, very sort of like like pagan, sort of druidic sort of concepts. And uh, you know, now it's like part of uh, the Christian tradition or. Well, I guess not technically, but like, you know, like we we do Santa at our house. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, so, I, mean, I love it. Yeah. Here's the thing: I, w- I want to talk about one another shapeshifter that characteristically, dude, is is very different from the puka. Mm-hmm. So this one, again, man, just randomly kind of captivated me, and it's in proximity. It's somewhat close to the area that we're talking about. This thing's called the Nix. Mm, I've heard of this, yeah. It's also known by a couple different names. The Nixie, the Nakin, the Nikor, the Nok, Noken. And it's a particularly nasty shape-shifting entity. So whereas the Puka is kind of like, well, it's kind of a trick, trickster vibe, this mm-hmm. puppy, and I almost wanted to save it for Halloween, but mm, there's so many that we've got plenty to talk about for, yeah, for we'll be. Halloween in October. Well, And, and also, like I, I like the idea of Maybe even revisiting some of these things that were. This is sort sure. of a broad brushstroke of the shapeshifter sort of yeah. motif. motif. Yeah, you know? yeah. All right. So this one is also a kind of fairy, well, of fairy origin. Okay, mm-hmm. like most fairy folk, according to legend, it loves to dance. According to German folklore, the Nicks are attracted to the sound of music at fairs, mm-hmm. carnivals, or outdoor concerts. They appear as attractive men or women who are in, who enthrall the human audience with their skill and grace on the dance floor. And then once they've lured or charmed a human to join them, they go to like the a water's edge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the man or woman thinks, okay, we're about to get, you know, kind of romantic here, here, you know. Mm-hmm. They reveal themselves to be this ugly green-skinned fairy that then drags their victim to the water and death. By drowning. Now, Man. what's interesting, dude, is whenever you start breaking down the etymology of these names and stuff, it's really super interesting. Okay, so the name itself has a root in this like Proto-Indo-European word called "nig," and I might be pronouncing that incorrectly, but it means to wash. And in old like English and Swedish words, "nack" or "neck," meaning naked or nude, the hmm. old High German form which was Nihus, also means crocodile. In the Old English, mm. it's like Nikor, Nikor could, meant water monster. Wow. And, Dude, that's amazing. Yeah. And it also means, it would either mean water monster or hippopotamus. There's a southern, <laughs> more Scandinavian version that essentially it would transform itself into a horse-like creature and that they called the brook horse. And then the Welsh version, they called the water horse. Yeah, I was going to say the water horse, which is basically the Loch Ness monster. Yeah, like that's that's what a lot of like those the like Scottish the early Scottish folks believed one hundred percent that like what they were seeing was a water horse. And like, dude, there's some that are like this is so cool in England called like there's some famous ones called like Jenny Green Teeth, the Shelley Coat, the River Hag, the Peg Prowler, a Grind a Grindylow. I mean, there's just like a ton of these things, man. Oh, now I wonder if that's like tied into like 
like the Grendel, which is like the the well, yeah, like Beowulf. Which yes, is like, yes, yes, exactly, dude. Yep. Like the Grendel was like this evil, yep, thing that could change shape and mm-hmm. this monster kind of thing. Absolutely, dude. That's that's essentially where they they um, they think they got that sort of lore to put mm. in the story. That's cool, man. I ended up finding, and again, this was like. <laughs> I don't know. It's such like a, yeah, we'll just do this and just knock it out. But like I said, there's yeah. so much to it. I ended up running across this book by this guy named John B. Kachuba, uh, who wrote this book in 2019 that I'm thinking about ordering today called Shapeshifters, A History. Hmm. And he breaks down like all the way, you know, from like the early, basically like Zeus was like one of the very first shapeshifters. He was able to shapeshift into, you know, bulls and like these huge beasts to be able to fight and stuff. And then then he kind of moves to like, you know, Bram Stoker in the 18th century, basically creating Dracula. And then that idea that Dracula was able to, you know, turn into like a bat. And there's even some like areas where he was able to turn into this like, it says like elongated like squirrel, but Mm -hmm. like as big as a man type body where he would like walk, he was able to walk on all fours like or crawl like down a building like, Oof, like he was sticking to it, which is pretty scary. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think that's cool. And he, he sort of, I mean, it, everything I've read about this book, he, he goes into like, I guess they're called like therianthropes. That's mm. like sort of the blanket statement, or I guess the Latin for uh, shapeshifter. Uh, but he, he goes into how like in, you know, like Africa, for example, it's very much like there's like where animals of like, any kind of animals, you know, and, and you look at that too as like your sort of more primitive like tribes, you know, even in like like South America and that kind of those sort of rural areas, like even like the Philippines and stuff, where they they believe that like these shamans or shamans, God, I'm doing it again, shamans, shamans, uh, they're able to like if you see an animal, you never know if this is like a shaman or shaman. Maybe he's just shape-shifted into this squirrel or this dog that you mm-hmm. see in the forest. And then Asia, in specific, you know, specifically, is very much like in, in line with what you were talking about before, where it's like there's always this, like, and it, it gets into the, the Tim Marashenko with, like, disembodied voices and stuff, where it's this, like, lure that's trying to, like, lure people out by, like, changing its shape or, or mm-hmm. sort of mimicking, like, someone's voice that you know or like even with bigfoot accounts they say that like a lot of people they'll they'll hear like a baby crying in the forest Mm -hmm. and so of course it's human nature to be like oh my god there's like a baby crying yeah yeah we got to go help it and then that's the lure that's what tricks you and then you're you're taken away forever yeah and i don't want to ruin anything about the um disembodied voices book because we're going to do like a I, i feel like we need to do a deep dive on that on the page. Well, I feel like Tim Marashenko needs to come onto the show. I agree. Because he is a legend in our books. Yeah, he's awesome, man. And and it's a fantastic book. Like you you guys get it on Amazon no matter where you are in the world, I think. So you Mm -hmm. should definitely I mean it's it's so well written and it's terrifying and it's it's amazing. Like his his real his story is terrifying and you know it's it's so good and super interesting. Makes you think about a lot of different things. Well, and I, and I like how he ties, and this isn't like 
getting heavy into it. I'm, I just want to say that like, I like how he ties all of these sort of motifs across the world that like maybe you never really thought of in the context of like, yeah, like some, like a trickster, like, uh, like the God Pan and like, but like once, once the way he just sort of merges all this stuff together, like you really start seeing like a through line mm-hmm. in all cultures. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like maybe, maybe all these different names are talking about this one thing mm-hmm. that's all over the world. Yeah. Well, it's you know? interesting too, cause we can kind of using that same sort of linear thought, like mm-hmm. even this thing, the Nyx or the Nixie or whatever, it's very similar to like the Greek uh, sirens and stuff. So like, yeah, yeah, exactly. by nature, this thing can be like animals and humanoids or whatever. But for the most part, it's like it is going to, it essentially lures them to the water's edge and takes them in there, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So here's something interesting. And, you know, oftentimes I feel like we talk about a lot of these net, like scary creatures and stuff. We talk about some ways that you can kind of appease them and stuff. But we never really mm-hmm. talk about their weaknesses much. But I found one no. for the Knicks. So if you ever find yourself, you know, you're down by the lake, it's a beautiful evening, you're dancing, and you see this, like, hottie, it's kind of just, mm. I mean, just, I mean, phenomenal dancer. Mm-hmm. You walk up to him or her. How you doing? They catch your interest. Next thing you know, you're holding hands by the lake, and she or he starts to pull you into the water. We will return after these messages. Hey, this is Woody. And this is Tyler. And you're listening to That Would Be Rad. And now, back to our show. Good news, guys. The Knicks. They are weak against iron and Mm -hmm. steel. And what's interesting is sometimes, because one of their sort of popular forms is this beautiful horse that sometimes would appear to be like stuck, think... Never ending story. Yeah, exactly. That's what I thought. Artax. Yeah, stuck in this like water or whatever. And, you know, back in the day, I mean, horses are valuable today for sure. But I mean, back in the day, that's like, you know, oh, yeah. you're just walking down the trail and you see like a, you know, Bentley stuck in the mud. Yeah. Like, I can get that out. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, what they would do is they would use an iron bridle while the Knicks was in that form and it trapped him in that form. Mm. And then they would be able to kind of like control the Knicks and it be their workhorse. So, wow, kind of interesting. I, I'm glad you brought up uh, the iron thing because that's something that one of the first things that I thought of whenever we first started talking about this was the like, and, you know, you mentioned it before, but like the the term changeling, like in the traditional sense, where mm-hmm. you know it's this idea that uh, these like fairies or goblins even would basically abduct children and then in the place of the child would they would leave a, like a, an old dying you know fairy or goblin or like basically like a monster but they were able to shapeshift and look like 
like the child. But, the, you know, the, that it would just be like odd behavior. Like mm-hmm. suddenly now the baby is acting different. It has like a faraway look in its eyes and it cries all the time or it is listless and like lethargic. And one of the ways to do it is like you would put, you would hang like a, an iron like nail, like nail or like a spike over its bed, which I mean, sounds pretty dangerous, but Boy, you would yeah. above the crib and the iron would like force this thing to to show its true self. And in that case, then, you know, once that happened, you know, the folklore would suggest that like, you know, they would bring back your real child because it's kind of like, it's kind of that Rumpelstiltskin thing where it's like you, you've, you've kind of beaten it at its game. So it has to like play by the rules and give you mm. your child back. It's kind of like, uh, I like that. The, uh, it's kind of like the whole premise of the movie, the uh, labyrinth. Yeah. Right. Right. You know, the goblin King. And mm-hmm. again, like when looking through these things, there's a lot of sort of similarities between it. I never, I guess, kind of put two and two together, but a lot of sort of melding of worlds between like goblins, gnomes, fairies, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, another really interesting thing that I found about the Nixie or the the Nicks is that, like you kind of said, it, it is a lot like the mimic in Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, right. It, it can also, so it can be animals, it can be people, but it can also be, or appear, appear to be like treasure, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like mm-hmm. anything that it's, so it's intelligent enough to know it's almost like I can change myself into whatever's going to bait that person that I'm like essentially uh, hunting mm-hmm. and get them kind of close. I mean, again, it's that's the Tim Marashenko mm-hmm. to a T, like his story where you, you know, he's hearing like what sounds almost like a robotic voice outside, but it sounds like his dad, I guess. And it's like, mm, oh, God. hey, come here. And then, oh like, my gosh, dude, I forgot to tell you about this. What? So, uh, like a couple weeks ago, Woodrow, what did he say, man? And it was just like, oh my God, this is exactly, it's like the same kind of thing. He's like, he comes inside and I'm I'm already already getting cold chills. Yeah. I'm in my office working. Mm -hmm. He comes inside. He's like, huh? I thought, I was like, what? And he's like, uh, I thought you were outside. I said, what do you mean? He's like, I swear. I I thought I heard you call my name. Dude. And so I, from then on, dude, I was like, get in here. He's like, what? And, and I was trying not to freak him out, you know? Wow. I was like, oh, you probably just heard, you know, something yeah. else. But, you know, anytime you're not for sure that, you, you know, if you hear my voice, it was just, dude, now I'm in this like sort of like parenting moment that's real hard to navigate because you don't want to mm-hmm. scare them. Yeah. You also don't want them just like going out into the woods, you know, following what they think is your voice. But then at the same time, Hey man, I might have been doing some work in the woods mm-hmm. and need your help, son. And you're just lazily <laughs> I'm refusing go to come you know, outside. It, yeah, exactly. So it's it's a weird sort of balance, but you know, I was it, 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 man, that's interesting. And immediately I'm like, oh, it, it, anyway, yeah, um, that's really cool. We were talking a little bit about how to defeat these things, and some of the I found some other ways. And again, silver kinda, bullet. It, it kind of depends on, you know, what form they're in and also where this legend is in terms of geography, okay? One of the beliefs is that it can be defeated by calling its name. Mm, mm-hmm. If, you know, if it's in the middle of trying to carry off people. Uh, another that's, belief that's is that... That's a big sort of demonic trope. Yeah, ever like, heard of Beetlejuice? <laughs> well, yeah. But like demons, like if you 
if you know, and it's probably sort of like King Solomon, like the Solomonic practices, but like he believed that like if basically you knew the name of this, of the demon, you could somehow control it in a way. Mm-hmm. Another kind of belief is that if, if you brought the Knicks a treat of three drops of blood, a black mm-hmm. animal, some Scandinavian vodka, which was called Bronvin, and snus or wet snuff, dropped it into the water, they would then teach you the enchanting form of music they use to lure people in. Wow. That's amazing. So it's kind of, that is a little weird because then it's like, you're giving this thing a treat so that you don't die, but so you can learn how to lure yeah. people in. Well, one, or, one thing Or maybe just like the magic, the magical music. So oh, that's man, really cool. Cool sort of like, maybe Jimmy Page didn't in fact invoke... Well, we need to do a Jimmy Pitt, dude. Oh, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. it needs to be like Aleister Crowley slash. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing that that that, that reminds me, uh, when I was doing the research, uh, you know, I was talking about earlier, like the Shinto or like Shintoism in, you know, ancient Japan. They had this belief that there was like this, I think they're called like kamis, which are sort of like spirits or gods, but they have multiple souls. It's very confusing compared to like over here in in the western world where it's like oh this thing is a ghost this thing is like sort of this like you know miasma of like multiple souls one for destruction one for uh you know building and but it's but there's like this character in there called tingu and it's sort of the same thing it's like this sort of forest spirit and it's known to kind of lure people and it's a shapeshifter and all that. But apparently, like, if you, and I don't know if it specifically said that you would leave like an offering, like you were saying with this one, but mm-hmm. somehow if you were, if you were able to get on its good side, it would teach you like its sort of fighting style and like, like stealth. And they believe that that's where a lot of like the early uh, iterations of like the ninja comes from it like they literally bad that you said ninja just then go ahead sorry well they they taught they taught them basically all these super stealth like how to not be seen how to not and it's like that's where a lot of people believe that like that whole concept of ninjas like that's where it comes from i mean folks do you understand this is by the way this episode doesn't cost you anything but your ears and we're just giving it like you just received if you thought just like me, there was no way that a ninja could be even cooler and mm-hmm. we just delivered that to you. Big time. Yeah. Man, I yeah. Mean, that's incredible, dude. Yeah, it's super cool. Some other quick things about the Knicks that I thought was kind of interesting. One was that it's an omen for drowning accidents. So it would mm-hmm. actually go out to a particular spot in a lake or river and then scream at that spot. Um, almost there like you a go. There's the babies crying. Yep. And a fatality would later take place in that area, but also swimmers and stuff could protect themselves by throwing a bit of steel in the water but essentially where they would scream in that spot of the lake or river mm-hmm. and a fatality would take place later so it could be Weird. kind of like a harbinger of doom yeah there but almost like a um like a banshee yeah and if you swim with you know either you would throw a bit of steel into the water or if you swam with like a necklace around your neck that had like you know a piece of iron or whatever like like a small piece you know what i'm saying like a little emblem or mm-hmm. something well you, you, one of the things about that well i don't mean i don't want to cut you off no what no go ahead what were you about to say 
That's it. Go ahead. Um, sorry. Is the the idea of like iron or like metals? I, I believe that like you know you hear all these things about like the iron, and I believe that that even sort of carries over and like trickles down into like that's where like silver bullets come from. Mm. To me, and I don't know if I'm sure this isn't an original sort of thought on this. I'm sure it's like, you know, been talked about or proposed way long ago. But to me, I feel like these, these like, whether it's like goblin or like fae or brownies or gnomes or, or basically these things that are, that are like elementals. You know, we say that a lot. And I know it is, it is sort of an, like a blanket term and sort of ambiguous, but I, I've, like I feel like it's sort of a an umbrella term for these things that are like directly tied to like the earth, like the spirit of the forest, the spirit of you know with like nymphs and dryads with like the water and sylphs with the air, and it's like these elemental sort of spirits are all kind of in this little box. And so to me, I feel like since that's such an ancient thing, it only makes sense that like the the reason that like they're so against like iron. And or like tools, you know, is because it's almost like a representation of like progress or like like modernity, mm. like mm. the modern world. Dude, something that's, that's really like really cool. Well, something idea. that's like been like created that, that that isn't like wasn't like intended to be created in that way. So yeah, you know what I mean. Or, like obviously we have iron you, ore. Yeah, I was gonna say like or if you follow like the idea that like all of these things like. You know, there's this concept, and I don't know what it's called, but I just remember you talking about it at some point. You know, the the world, the earth, our plane of existence or whatever mm-hmm. gets to a certain point and then reset. Gets to a certain point and then reset. You know, we're talking about My hundreds blood. of thousands, millions of years, whatever it is in our human time. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, this isn't their first sort of, well, this isn't their first encounter with those items like iron. They know what that leads to potentially. Mm-hmm. Or... Another thing is that if, and this is kind of what I like to kind of think of, if there are creatures that exist that are able to kind of get into our plane of existence, Mm -hmm. they do so either intentionally or unintentionally. I kind of like the idea of it being unintentional at different Mm -hmm. points in time, right? And so like they know like, oh man, I've seen that before or we've heard about this on their end. They've got books written about it's like, stay away from anything that's like this you know Mm -hmm. that kind of thing that's just a very interesting concept dude yeah that that is interesting um one thing and i think the the first thing that i sort of fired back when you told me that you had this idea for shapeshifters when you you first started telling the story about like the irish castle the ancient irish castle i thought that you were going to talk about sort of that that super ancient early story of like the sort of the mysterious stranger sort of trope, if you will, where, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's known that there was this this ancient castle and the king was having this banquet and it's super stormy outside and all of a sudden this, this you know, this very handsome guy comes in with like a cloak on his head and, you know, he's ultra charismatic. He like regales everybody with a toast, yet nobody knows him, but he's just like, it was almost like this sort of, like hypnotizing sort of charisma, you know, mm. basically like a bard yeah. in D and D. But then, like as the night like goes on, like somebody notices that, or they maybe they 
look under the table or something, they realize that like he has like cloven hooves. And oh, so man. is it like like partially a satyr or or what I thought is it it kind of goes back into that shape shifting thing where there's like this sort of universal sort of protocol like in this reality where like you have to abide by like sort of our laws of like physics. So like th- say these things are, are able to like shape shift, say this, he was a monster, but he's able to shape shift. There's always going to be that one thing that's off. Like there's going to, they're going to have red eyes or they're going to have like, you know, three fingers or like these weird little things that like they're, that, you know, they're able to shift like 99%, but there's always going to be the one like thing where it's like, Oh, he has a tail or he has like, mm-hmm. you know, hooves or like, I, I just think that's really interesting. And I've, I've heard it like throughout, throughout, you know, the course of being into this stuff with like, you know, certain, certain people believe that like early sort of demonic encounters were like that where, uh, and I've heard it even like with like the gin where, you know, you'd see this beautiful woman and the guy goes to like follow, follow it. And, you know, after it like lures him into wherever, you know, they're, mm-hmm. you know, getting physical, getting intimate. And then, you know, he notices that like, you know, she, she doesn't have feet. She has like hooves or like those weird little, you know, 5% yeah. things that, that aren't able to change. I just think that's fascinating. Like, Oh, for that sure. Idea. What, you know, I was almost like, giggling in the background because like the second that you started describing the dude that like shows up to this Irish castle and he's like very well dressed and Mm -hmm. everyone you know he's super charismatic and everything and then just like turns out later that he's got like these hooves or whatever Mm -hmm. I just imagine essentially you remember that scene in like Austin Powers 3 when he's got like Minimi's like he's on Minimi's shoulders or something like that and like he's just like a normal sized guy with like little bitty legs, like and feet, ting, 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 ting. Kinda, you know what I'm talking about? I can't vaguely. Dude, yeah, I'm gonna. I, I'm gonna send you the the video. It is so hilarious, and I just imagine like this guy's walking through the castle, just trying to play it off. He's extremely charismatic, and he's uh-huh. got these like deer feet. They're like that's know, awesome. Click clacking yeah. in through this like castle hallway. Oh man, it's that's that's uh, amazing. Hilarious. Now I would be well, I wouldn't be able to forgive myself if. Uh, and I know we've gotten a little long in the tooth here. Well, I have one too. Oh, God. <laughs> so, that I tell you it's going to get even longer. Well, I tell you what, man, I was going to say, why don't we save these two for like the Patreon? I mean, we can. But anyway, this isn't a very long one. It's just something that's cool that this happened in 2018. Indonesian villagers killed this rare tiger, essentially, mm. that they believed was a shapeshifter. And mm. it was a Sumatran tiger that had been really just kind of like hunting and super dangerous in this remote Indonesian village on the island of Sumatra, mm-hmm. where they just roam wild. And um, just to goes to show that that lore still to this day, oh yeah, affects people in, in those mm-hmm. countries. And a little side note, you know, like uh, Sumatra, my dad, you know, when I was I don't know one or two, worked out there uh and he had i think i may have told this story before where he used to go on these runs early in the morning on the island of sumatra remember he's just like you know i don't know if i was one or two he's probably like 24 years old living in this other country prime condition yeah dude it just in amazing shape and instead of like 
hopping a ride early in the morning before the sun came up mm-hmm. to go to these three rig locations, he would just run. And so mm-hmm. one day he ran and he's kind of out of breath because he just like pushed it hard. And the supervisor is like, you all right, man? And he was like, yeah, why? He's like, well, you're just like out of breath and you're sweating and stuff. I was just, you know, are you feeling okay? You know, sometimes the food can be a little. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. I, I ran from location one to location two and then from location two to location three. And the guy says, what? He's like, dude, do you not? Or he didn't say dude, you know, mm-hmm. it's 1980s and this is a drilling supervisor. He's probably yeah. like cussing his brains out. And he said, do you not understand where you're at here? And I was like, yeah, I mean. I guess the jungle, I mean, I'm looking out. And he's like, no, no, dude, we're in Sumatra here. And there are wild tigers man, that are just roaming around. We don't let people walk outside of the fence line. Wow. They're not allowed to walk around. You're running from location to location. My dad said that like immediately he was just like, like his eyes were just like humongous. And like, oh my gosh. Thinking about all the sounds and stuff that he oh, heard yeah. on morning runs. Mm-hmm. And it, like probably being, you know, hunted by a dadgum tiger, dude. Man, wild. That is wild. Okay, I got one that is extremely bizarre, and it may or may not be what we're talking about, but I think I think that it's at least worth telling because it's, it's a really fascinating and interesting one. And this is tied to, we've mentioned him before, David Pilatus. He writes these books called Missing 411. He has two documentaries. The Hunted is the second one, which is really, really good. But he does these stories of these different people disappearing in like like national parks, basically. And he has this story about this three-year-old boy. Him and his family were at Mount Shasta in California, or Shasta, however you would like to say it. Mm-hmm. Basically, the kid goes missing. They ended up, you know, putting on a search party, kind of going crazy. They contacted the sheriff, and they called in like the Forest Service and had a whole group of people within you know really fast and five hours later he was found in the middle right in the middle of the path where they had walked numerous times over the course of looking for him like alive though bro alive he was alive okay okay everything was good okay good so this is where it gets weird though so three weeks later the the kid is hanging out with his grandmother who he called cappy and he said, he just made this, this statement out of the blue where he said he didn't like his other grandma, Cappy. And she sort of asked him to, like, what, what do you mean? Yeah. And he says, don't you remember when I was lost in the woods, the other grandma, Cappy, grabbed me and took me to a creepy place. He said, so they were sitting around a fire, I guess, and he said he heard his name being called. And he said when he looked out into the woods, there he saw his grandma, Cappy. And so he got up, and then that's why he disappeared. And Dude, That's what I'm saying. How do you parent against that? Yeah, I don't know either. I'm, Go ahead. Sorry. I'm such a... None of this stuff would ever happen to us, knock on wood, just because I'm such a helicopter parent. Yeah, but he says the other grandma, Cappy, uh, grabbed me and took me to a creepy place. But I think she's a robot. It was a cave with spiders... And there were purses and guns. I was so scared, so I didn't touch anything. But when she climbed a ladder, the light made her look like a robot and her head would glow. And it looked Mm -hmm. like smoke. Like her head was like smoking. 
There were other robots too, but they didn't move. She made me lay down to look at my tummy. Then she tried to get me to poop on sticky paper, but I couldn't go. She told me that I am from outer space and they put me in my mommy's tummy. Uh, then she took me back to the river and said, wait under the bush until someone found me. So this is where it gets even weirder. She also states that the grandson basically said that, you know, she has your same hair, your feet, and your face. The grandmother's like really sort of freaked out by this mm -hmm. because there's basically, something's happening where there's like a doppelganger of, of this woman and that was used to like abduct her grandson. Uh, she would later say that she got the impression from what he was say, talking about. Again, the kid's three. So there's going to be things that like are sort of lost in translation maybe, but she said that she felt like maybe he was even talking about like a hologram because the way he said that she, mm -hmm. she looked like she was glowing and she was in a weird light when she was climbing a ladder. What? Yeah, it's really bizarre. So this is, this is where it gets weird. So she called, you know, the boy was staying with her. So she ended up calling the boy's father, her son, and told him. And he said, yeah, you know, he told me this you know, whenever it first happened. And I didn't, I, th I thought he was just making stuff up. I thought maybe yeah. it was linked to trauma, almost like a PTSD thing. Sure. And, you know, something like that. And so this is where it gets weird. Uh, so she said... I would, I would have, you still there? Yeah. Okay, cool. I heard this weird. Noise. I'm just, li I'm listening with like, uh, you know, when, when, when you say this is where it gets weird and they already told him to poop on sticky paper. I don't yeah, know what that yeah, means. Yeah, weird. So that's already weird. Well, this gets even weirder. Uh, okay. Kind of scary. So she said that she would have written off the story, you know, as him just having an overactive imagination because all kids have big imaginations. Sure. Yeah. If it wasn't for a strange experience that happened to her a year prior when she was camping in the same area near Fowler's campground in McLeod, California. She claims she woke up one morning face down in the dirt, having been removed from her tent and sleeping bag. Uh, she had a puncture wound in the back of her head, and she felt violently ill that morning and felt strangely emotionless. She said she thought she had been bitten by a poisonous spider. And what was extra weird was she had a friend that was with her that was sleeping in a separate camper and he also woke up with puncture wounds on his back and lying face down on the dirt like further oh further away dude. and he felt very ill the only thing strange she could recall was seeing red eyes shining through the trees in their flashlights the night before which she thought were deer but then you know that she would shine the light and then the light the the glowing or the red eyes would would disappear and then they would pop up like a little later in a different mm -hmm. place so, what do you think that is? You know, it's like there's something about it with like the the head smoking and like the robot aspect that makes me feel sort of like like Sam the Sandown Clown, maybe or Sam or the Flatwoods or yeah. I mean, God, man. I mean, it may it may not be exactly like what we're talking about, but I just felt like I should no, bring it. There's up. enough connective tissue there, man. That, yeah, like God. But That's it's, amazing. I mean, it is, that is pure high strangeness. There's so yeah. many. And super, super freaky, dude. Yeah. I will say that, like, on our morning runs, Woodrow and I have noticed, you know, we've got, I don't want to go into the backstory here, but we've got three cats that live outside. Mm -hmm. And what they do is they follow us on our run. 
but they like run in the woods and then like pop out of nowhere. And it scares us every time because like with our headlamp, you look over and there's these like neon green eyes yeah. looking at you. And for a while, you can't tell if that's your cat, if that's some other animal that's in there. It's, you know, mm-hmm. so I've never, you know, I can only imagine the, the sort of fear that I would feel not only, I mean, first off, let's start at the beginning. You woke up outside your tent face down. Right. Now that's happened to me a couple of times. That was college and there mm-hmm. were some like cold beverages involved. Oh yeah. But oh man, dude, that's freaky. Yeah. And then like this and then like the grandson, like it's just too much, man. That's yeah. just mind blowing. Yeah. I and also, I mean, I, I want to save this for its own uh story, but there's also this story which I kind of lean into this being like a possible Bigfoot encounter but do you remember a few years ago when i think it was north carolina the kid went missing do you remember this Mm-mm. um the second that those kind of headlines pop up dude i'm just turn it off well no this is like this is like f- really fascinating this kid was playing at his grandmother's house uh it was sort of rainy and like you know below freezing temperatures uh in the middle of winter and like i, th- I think north carolina maybe south carolina and the kid all of a sudden completely disappears. The grandmother can't find him. The kid's gone for like three to five days. I can't remember exactly. And then they ended up finding him when they sent out like a search party. They thought there's no way he's, he's if he wandered off like playing outside, he's, he's died due to, you know, sort of just, just the, the temperature hypothermia and just he, the kid's clearly, you know, frozen to death probably. Well, they end up sending out a search party. Days later, they find this kid, same kind of thing, much like 99% of the, the missing 411 stories where, where they're found. You know, a lot of times people are just, they just vanish. But they ended up finding the kid, you know, just a ways away, like not far at all, which doesn't make any sense because the kid clearly could have just walked right to the house. Like, it was within view, I think, of the grandmother's house. And the kid ends up saying that he 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 got lost or something. I, I can't remember exactly, but he says he he got lost or something, but then he, he found, a, but then a bear came and took him to a cave and protected him and fed him berries. Dude, that is so weird. I didn't know where you were going with this until then. I literally saw this story in my, like, this morning. What? I don't know. Yeah, I swear, dude. I don't know where or how. We have such synchronicity on this show. Oof, man, it's weird, dude. That yeah, is, what a fascinating story, though. Yeah, man. Yeah, so, so Yeah, Take so my, this kid. I think that, I think it was probably a Bigfoot. But if it's not, maybe this was another one of those shapeshifter things, you know, maybe, maybe it is something that kind of lines up with what we're talking about today. I mean, maybe old Rudyard Kipling knew what he was doing when, when Baloo, Baloo, there you go. Mm-hmm. You know, the bear took care of old Mowgli, man. Mm-hmm. Well, the interesting thing too, is the way that he described the bear, like the color and the, how big it was. It said, I think he does say that it's like stood upright, which Red flag number one. Number two, I think he says that it was a, it was brown, sort of reddish brown in color, which number red flag number two, like within whatever that area they ended up 
you know, getting sort of your local biologist to come out. And number one, a bear would have been hibernating at this time. Number two, there is no chance that if it was if it wasn't in hibernation mode, that it would have not completely devoured this tiny three year old kid. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean. Like, because a lot of times, like like animals aren't able to get into hibernation mode because they don't have like enough food stored, so it's just like a mad rush to get to get food. You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, and the fact that it, like it was able to like give like berries and it said that it like carried him which bears don't really have like elbows in the traditional sense bears aren't necessarily going to be able to like pluck berries yeah it's just weird it's a weird weird case but i I definitely want to get into it like pretty heavy on like maybe a patreon episode or something for sure man look dude we have said a lot but we have not said it all man i didn't even get into the knock which is n-a-k-h which is a shape-shifting mm. water demon that appears to be also a handsome man or, hands- or a beautiful woman that lures victims into, the, yeah. into rivers or seas. Folks, there's a ton more that we are, I definitely want to dive into yeah. further in, in, well, just another episode, honestly. Oh, yeah, or, or multiple episodes. Yeah, because yeah. like I said, they're all over the world. I mean, you can, you know, and it is one of those things that's like built, it's like it's built in our, DNA. It's like something mm-hmm. that's so like primal and sort of it's a motif that I feel like you just kind of know about, you know, at a very small age. It's just this mm-hmm. idea of like being able to like change your form or like shape shift into things. Like, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really fascinating, especially like, especially if, you know, some of these like creatures are, or sort of the folklore is, you know, has, you know, elements of it that are true. Mm-hmm. Let me lighten it up a little bit before we go. Yeah, give it to me. If you could shape shift into any thing, mm-hmm. or at, let's just keep it a creature, like an animal. Let's just mm-hmm. keep it at an animal. What okay. would you want to be? Uh, just because of the the sheer cuteness, I would transform into a uh, marten, an M A R T E N. They're a type okay. of like weasel yeah. that is around Yellowstone. And then in the winter, they turn like bright white. They are the mm-hmm. cutest animals in the world. I would do, oh man, here mm-hmm. I am, the one that asks the question and I don't even know. I mean, I'd be like a wolf or something for, yeah, this is, I, I you know, know, for the sake of like sheer power. I'm going like a, I'm going to go with like a, like like an eagle. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. Something that can fly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, man, we got we to gotta go. Yeah, we got to get out of here. You can find us online specifically at thatwouldberadpodcast.com. It's our website. It's got, it's sort of catch-all for everything. You can uh, listen to episodes, You can, uh, which is the coolest part. You can leave uh, directly on the site a voice memo of a story or encounter or anything that you can think of and you want to share with us. We love to hear it. It's one of our favorite things to get, you know, when we, when we discovered it. You guys have have sent us a story, uh, whether it's written or spoken. If you're not okay with with like leaving a voice memo, feel free to shoot an essay or whatever over to that would be radpod at gmail.com. For social media, we're always on Instagram. Shoot us DMs, uh, leave us comments. Make sure to go out there and tell one single friend about the show. It 
really helps a lot. Leave five-star reviews on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And in modern news, uh, we now have a Patreon, which is called The Rabbit Trail. Uh, we have three mm-hmm. separate tiers. We have a bunch of stuff that, that we have planned that is going to be awesome. But if, if your weekly fix of that would be rad isn't enough and you wish you could get more, head on over to our Patreon and uh, that's where you'll find it. Uh, is there anything else, Woody? Well, I was just going to say one of the things that people do sometimes we also love is if you have like a favorite topic or like a weird story that you want us to cover, mm-hmm. like our friend Jesse, who sent us something to potentially cover, Jesse says, hey, you guys should do an episode on this and then provided some information. So, oh yeah, Jesse, if you're listening, we're definitely going to do an episode on what you told us because mm-hmm. uh, this is, oh man, such a fascinating topic and I can't wait to dive into it. Oh yeah. Other than that, dude, I would just say, you know, make sure you got a pocket full of iron out there. Um, oh yeah. And that you're on the lookout for things that don't seem quite right with the people around you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we love you, we appreciate you, and as always, be rad. That's the way it That's the way it goes